I'm happy to have on the show today, Ellie Pakaz. He's the CEO of InstaFloss. InstaFloss automatically flosses all your teeth in under 10 seconds. So you went from flossing pigs to testing it on yourself and being the guinea pig. What happened with that process? So actually, it's one of those things where you cause a problem and you never anticipated the problem. And if you were smarter, you would have avoided the problem. But because you ran into the problem, you actually inspire your product to be better, literally failing to success. So I, before testing it on anybody, I was testing it on myself. And I was doing this multiple times a day. I was tweaking with things. I liked the way it felt. I would just do it like all the time. Because, but the issue is, InstaFloss is a 10-second floss. 10 seconds is the equivalent of two minutes with a manual water floss, or even longer if you take longer, two minutes of perfect like machine-like application, right? So like three to five minutes for some people. So I was doing this many times a day, but if you do the math that, let's say I'm flossing for a total of three minutes a day, right? It doesn't sound like a lot. But uh, three minutes is 180 seconds. That's 18 flosses, which is the equivalent of 36 minutes of flossing per day. More if you take longer than two minutes. I'm doing the equivalent of something like 40 minutes, maybe an hour of flossing a day from equivalent from just three to four minutes of using the InstaFloss. And at first I said, yeah, no problem. Then after a week, gums started like really hurting. I just had like pain everywhere. I was, it was a mess. And I couldn't stand anything. So I, I went to the doctor and they're like, you are overfloss, relatively rare. 99% of people, they underfloss, but it's, a, but it is possible to overfloss and you're essentially stripping away at your gums and causing sensitivity. And eventually that could lead to serious problems such as gum recession, and then you lose your teeth and so on. You don't, you, you need to floss, but you need to not overfloss either. If you're brushing your teeth. That's really good for them. But if you brush your teeth for an hour a day, you're going to rub off the apple eventually. So don't do that. So this problem that I ran into made me realize that by solving the problem of time of flossing with InstaFloss, where people don't want to floss, we could potentially introduce a new problem of overflossing. Something that previously was rare is now suddenly could be super common because it's only 10 seconds to get a, a full floss. So that inspired the need to put in a safety feature, which is at the end of 10 seconds, it auto shuts off and like blinks and lets you know, Hey, that was one full floss. If you do it again, that's another floss. So that way, if you're going to be doing it for three minutes, it will turn off 18 times and blink at you 18 times. And at that point you're doing it on purpose. So we had to put build in that safety feature. So I think that's an interesting case of failing to success quite literally. That's for sure. You're in Mexico right now, making sure the manufacturing plants are making your product properly. So what's going on down there? That's correct. It's been five years of research and development to make sure that we could create a device that can floss all of your teeth in 10 seconds, actually floss all your teeth in 10 seconds. If you don't care about the results, you could do it in zero seconds. So it's only a 10 second floss if we actually accomplish our goal. And you, when you've spent five years of R&D into an invention, uh, you really don't want to trip up the finish line. So every time I come up with a product, and this is my eighth product, I stay by the factory, check everything, because there's always stuff that happens in production. But for example, one thing that just happened uh, last week that we were freaking out about was that certain ones were not, like 30% of the units were not operating the way that they were supposed to. Like, why only some of them? Why not all of them? What's going on? And discovered 
that there's one component that is possible to install upside down. Yet, if you put it upside down, typically it won't work. But if you put it upside down and halfway up, not to get into the details, it will work, but weirdly. And so we had to modify our assembly line to make sure that, that this was impossible for people to mess up, not just telling them, oh, don't mess it up. Because when you're making thousands, it's not really a very viable thing. You have to make it impossible to make these sorts of mistakes. And then we x-rayed everything, took out everything that had the upside down components, reassembled them and so on. So all these sort of things happen that you, you never, like, sure, you run into problems prototyping, you run into problems testing and all those things, but manufacturing is a whole beast. That's why I'm in Mexico right now. How does this product floss all your teeth in 10 seconds? I'm interested. I want one right now. Ah, uh, that's, yeah, there's two groups of people that I think are, are candidates. Those who don't floss or, or rarely floss, which is a uh, 70% of Americans in more worlds. <laughs> and then those who do floss, which is 30% because most studies show that even those who floss are probably doing it suboptimally. They're not doing a great job. So. The way we accomplish this, is this going to be audio or video? Oh. Because I could both. So we use water jets to floss the teeth. Water is more effective at removing plaque. Water molecules are smaller than strings. We could get deeper underneath the gum line. You could clean a full 360 degrees underneath the gum line. So imagine you have a fence post in the ground, the area right around the hole. We could clean a full 360 degrees around, which you can't really do with strings. So we get much better results. Now, water flossers have existed since the 50s and 60s. That's how we have all this, this science and to show that it's more effective than strength. However, there are only one jet that you must manually aim. And that creates a, a new problem, which is that manually water flossing takes even longer than string to floss. So the number one complaint about flossing, the number one reason why people, the 70% of people who don't floss, don't floss, is because it takes too long. So manual water flossers take the number one complaint about flossing and they make it worse. It's not a surprise that they haven't taken over the world. Many in the dental community think that they should. So the way our device works in contrast is yes, we do use water, uh, water jets. However, we're the first device to use multiple water jets and we use 12 water jets aimed at multiple areas of your mouth at once. It's an H-shaped device. The top of you goes over the top teeth. The bottom of you goes over the bottom teeth. The middle can rotate. And then it rotates from one side to the other. And this way, in 10 seconds, not only can we complete a floss, but every jet is at the correct 90-degree angle for the maximum effective floss. And we don't miss any areas. So it's imagine that you're doing a floss with perfect technique and not missing anything. That's what we do. And I can demonstrate for the video portion. Here's the... The H-shaped mouthpiece, this rotates. Water just come out of here. Obviously, if I have my computer, I'm not going to fire the jets. But uh, you can put it in your mouth. Okay, pull on fire, pull, and you're done. Now, I'm doing both at the same. Both so I use a water pick, so I'm familiar with okay, the other perfect. side of this. So you're getting top and bottom at the same time? Not just top and bottom, but also front and back. And not only just front and back, top and bottom, but we have multiple jets per quadrant. So with a water pick, you're going to have to trace the arch of your gums, uh, which is time consuming because going in an arching motion takes more time than going in a straight line. Um, however, since we have multiple jets covering multiple areas, we're able to clean in between the teeth and the gums at the same time. In fact, each tooth gets lost working. All right, I'm sold. 
Where do I get one? <laughs> uh, go to infthefloss.com. <laughs> we actually just created our first 180 units uh, and shipped them out of the factory yesterday. By the time this goes live, we should hopefully have some in stock. Very cool. So what was the, I feel like this isn't your first business. When you put five years R&D into something, what happened? What was the life before this, before the InstaFloss? Yeah. So my first business actually was in music tech products. In college, my, my brother was a guitarist and he wanted a beat to go along with his, his guitar because drummers are very hard to come by. <laughs> And drum sets are even harder to carry. So even if you have a drummer friend, it's not very easy to practice. So he wanted a drum machine, but every drum machine was a tabletop device that you was cumbersome, hard to use, but most importantly, you had to use your hands. And if you're using your hands on the drum machine, that takes away your hands from guitars. Dude. So we came up with the concept of a device that you can trigger various MIDI files with a, a foot pedal. So you could say, when's the intro, when's the chorus, when's the verse, you want to build something up. So if you hold down the pedal, it will build up a transition. And when you let go, it will transition at the end of the arcs. So we asked a bunch of musicians, like, Hey, where can we get something like this? And they're like, I don't know, but when you find out, let me know because I want one. So that's when we knew that we just had it created. So we came out with that. We, uh, didn't have any money at the time. So we did a Kickstarter. We broke records in the, uh, music tech space for Kickstarter. And then we came out with multiple products after that. And so my first business was all making music tech gear. However, I was, uh, flossing, preparing for reading and it was just taking forever. I'd like chunks of mango between my teeth. There has to be a way to do this faster. And that would be something that would influence everybody. Everybody needs to floss. Nobody wants to. Everybody would, if it was easy, they know they should. It's not, we have very few people who are like, ah, oh, no, flossing is for losers. People really should do it. They just, there's just obstacles to doing it. So I, I knew if I could solve the problem, it would be far bigger than anything I did in my previous business. And so I couldn't sleep for a month thinking about it. I started buying periodontal tech enzymes, started downloading all the studies of flossing that I could find from PubMed. And eventually I had a concept, but I knew that I couldn't pursue the concept just by myself because yes, I'm from a tech technology background, but I'm not from a medical background. And so I teamed up with two people, Dr. Ralph Froud, who's my co-founder and Dr. Anna Mascaranjas, who's the chair of the American Dental Association Council of Scientific Affairs. And with the two of them, we came up with concepts, studies, prototypes. We test them. First, we test them actually on pig head uh, carcasses, which is quite interesting. I didn't know that's how you tested these devices to see, because the pig gums are very similar to human gums. So we lost pigs first. Uh, before moving to humans. <laughs> and five years later, I'm in Mexico seeing the products come off the line. So you're a products guy. You're an inventor at heart. That's correct. At heart. Yeah. And everything else I do because it's necessary. I have to raise money to create these things. I have to hire people. I have to learn e-commerce. I have to get my products out there. I have to distribute them. You have to deal with customer service. I have to pay taxes, apparently. Wow. So yeah, everything else is learned along the way, but at the heart, I just want to create products that solve problems. So how do you deal with doing all the other things when the true passion is, as you said, creating products and solving problems? You have to understand that every single other aspect of it 
is part of solving the problem. If you come up with the concepts in your head, if you wake up at 2 a.m., you're like, oh yeah, I think that'll work. You didn't solve a problem. It doesn't exist. You have to take the next step. And that's true of every step, not just prototyping, but also manufacturing, also distributing. If you're tr truly trying to solve a problem, all of those parts are integral to it. If you don't pay your taxes, you go to prison <laughs> and you're not solving any problems. So that is a part of the it's if you're a, a professional athlete and you love playing some sport, but you don't really love eating chicken and rice, but your trainer nutritionist says, oh, in order to recover, you've got to eat this diet plan and you've got to go to bed on time and you've got to stop drinking alcohol. And you're like, I just love basketball. Like, I don't love doing all those things. Yeah, but if you really want to be on top of your game, you really have to do all those other things. And I think uh, eventually you learn to love the whole process. Do you always have uh, just a handbook, like a hundred ideas that you're like, maybe I'll pursue this one, maybe not? Yeah, actually. So I have them. I also have them ranked. Uh, I put them in an Excel file, actually. So it's <laughs> easier. So that way I could sort them. My first number one to five is how difficult I think it would be to create. Number one would be like something stupid. Oh, what if we had a fork in a different color? That's super trivial. Uh, number five would be like nuclear fusion. Um, so then my second ranking is how big of an impact it would be. So number one would be something that literally only I want and nobody else would give a crap. Uh, and then number five would be something that can be relevant to every insta floss. So I take the, I take the numbers and if it's something that the, the lower, the first number and the higher, the second number, the higher in the priority it should. It's good that you have them sorted and organized because the that's the difference between an inventor who gets things off the ground and one who doesn't. It's certainly one of the uh, <laughs> things. It's, it's, it's more about choosing what you pursue to get off the ground. Because obviously you could come up with ideas faster than you can execute them. For example, InstaFloss. I had this idea five years ago. Only now am I in Mexico manufacturing it. So that, it's been five years to get this one product to floss all your teeth out. I don't have that many years in my life <laughs> pursue everything. So, and, and also it's a, it's a good thing to know that if something can take five years, you really want to make sure it's worth it. You know, It's also a good thing to note for people who are thinking about inventing a product or starting a business around something they've come up with. It's going to take probably five years of R and D and getting capital together before you can even launch your business and start monetizing. So it's a consideration for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I didn't think it would take this long. That's Hofstadter's law. It always takes longer than you think it would take, even when you take into account Hofstadter's law. So as you said, instafloss.com, and you guys are starting to ramp up production. So if our listeners wanted mm -hmm. to see it, that's where they get it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where you can get it right now, instafloss.com. You can also see videos of how it works, and you could ask us questions, read our FAQ. We'll respond back to your emails. Thank you, Ellie, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki. We'll see you next time.